Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. As the year comes to a close, our staff is writing about our favorite sports moments of 2019. Jason Concepcion explains the year in 10 pieces of pop culture, and we break down the last 10 years of the Marvel Universe. Also, ahead of the new Star Wars movie coming out next week, the staff's discussing Baby Yoda, Rise of Skywalker romances, and what the Resistance will do if they win. You can check this all out on TheRinger.com. Yo, 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 ho, 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 ho. Welcome to Ringer FC. This is Donnie Quark, East Coast Bureau Chief of The Ringer. I'm joined, as always, by Connor Nevins. What's up, Donnie? It's a very emotional day. Emotional day. Michael Peters. Whoa, whoa. good. We are here today to talk about, well, first we're going to talk about the Champions League. The round of 16 is set. Uh, the matchups aren't set. That draw is on December 16th, Monday. But today, uh, all of the teams now are official for the round of 16. No surprises, right, Connor? I mean, the only surprise today actually was Atlanta uh, in their first ever. I think Champions that's worth League. that's worth highlighting. I mean, because they yeah. they were kind of. I watched that game actually. They played Shakhtar Donetsk. They needed three points to advance. Uh, it was nil nil until the second half. Uh, they scored a VAR goal that was upheld, I guess, the shades of offside. And then I think I have the sequence right. Donetsk got a man sent off, and then they scored two more goals. And now they're in the round of 16 after losing their first three matches and actually drawing their fourth. So after four matches, they had one point. And now they're in the round of 16. Yeah, they're the first team to to overcome, uh, to reach the knockout stage after losing their first three group stage games. Uh, you know, they were like last year's kind of hipster team. You know, really fun to watch, kind of overachieved in, in Italy. And I think people were kind of pegging them to do something. And it's uh, it's a little fitting that they... Overtook kind of the the underdog, the perennial underdog Champions League darling in Donetsk, but otherwise you're right. I mean, I think Jonathan Wilson tweeted this, but we ended up with basically all 16 teams are from the Power Five leagues: uh, mm-hmm. Germany, France, Italy, Spain, um, England. So no surprises. There were really very few stakes coming into the final day, aside from that Atalanta game. And um, but but good matchups, good possibilities for for the groups for the knockout stages. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, also, there's, like, in addition to all of the teams from the last 16 being, like, teams from the the Power 5 leagues, things are kind of shaping up to be a facsimile of, like, last year's competition because, I mean, like, Ronaldo scoring again, Neymar and Mbappe are doing their one-two punch thing going into the last 16. And Liverpool will probably win it all again. <laughs> so I'm just going to see what happens with it. Yeah, all four English teams, uh, Spurs, Liverpool, City, and Chelsea, all advanced. Uh, one team that didn't advance, Ajax, uh, you know, last year's semifinalists. That was kind of a surprise to see them knock down to the Europa League. Yeah, they couldn't get the result in the final day. And that was kind of a, that was one of the weirder groups because Valencia and Chelsea, neither of which were incredibly uh, were incredibly convincing throughout that. I think you got to go back to that Chelsea Ajax game and that crazy Chelsea comeback when they were in Amsterdam, and they're going to look at that as as the as the moment when that that group got away from them. But it'll be a shame not to not to see them in there after last year's run. Yeah, Valencia is surprising group winners. Fingers crossed, though, that there will be an Inter United matchup in in the Europa League this year. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Oh yeah, we should mention that uh, Luke Shaw. Uh, maybe Micah, you can talk. Well, about yeah. Luke okay. Shaw with so a, a sick burn on Lukaku. Right. So there was a bit of a controversy while uh, Romelu Lukaku was doing his "I'm just not going to come back to Carrington" uh, thing <laughs> in August, uh, and he was he tweet. I, th- I think it was he either tweeted out or put it on or he put on his Instagram story the sprint numbers from like across the squad and like he was first with something and then like Luke Shaw was like second bottom but he was Luke Shaw was like just coming back from injury so like but nobody cares about the context right so they're just like yeah Luke Shaw you know BBW Luke Shaw you know whatever 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 um so fast forward <laughs> uh a couple of months in September Lukaku tweets a picture of himself smiling and, you know, doing calisthenics, talking about, yo, UCL, back in the Champions League with Inter. And then when Inter lost and, you know, like went back to the Europa League, who did they lose to? It was, it was, they lost to Barcelona. They lost to Barcelona. And they are going to be back in the Europa League. And Luke Shaw found the tweet from September, September 22nd. He'd been sitting on this since. Says, quote tweeted and goes, "Welcome back." <laughs> that shit was in his draft. That's, oh my that's, God. that's the, the mo- kind of that's the moment the group draws. You could not live with it. your failure, and where did it bring you back to me? That's the petty beef we need. I think. I think that if there if there is another takeaway from uh, I, you know, Ajax was the one. Inter would be the other one that was probably the most surprising slash disappointing to not get through, considering how well they're playing in Serie A. But uh, tough group with Barca and Dortmund. Yeah, uh, let's just go over all the group. Group winners and advancers to the round of 16. We have Group A, PSG, Real Madrid. No surprises. Group B, Bayern Munich and Spurs, who just finished playing. Did you guys watch the game? It wasn't the 7-2 from the first I tell you what, round. it could have been. If, if if Bayern Munich really wanted to put their put their foot on the gas and kind of humiliate them, they they probably, there was a, there was a good 15-minute uh, stretch there in the second half where they probably could have blown that one open. We can get to that. It though. ended 3-1. Mm-hmm. And uh, Connor, you were kind of remarking that Alfonso Davies, our favorite Canadian, stood out. So I've, I've, <sighs> I've seen this, and I, I've, I've seen that he's been playing as a left wing back in that team for the last few games. The results for Bayern haven't been great domestically, but you watch him there. He is uh, just an astoundingly promising prospect at that position. I um, mean, the, there were maybe, because I was flipping back and forth between that game and the Juventus Bayern Leverkusen game and the two times that like I switched over to the game one he makes a like he marauds up the left side of the pitch and like hits it off the off of the the near the near post and it rebounds to Lewandowski for a goal and then the second time he makes like a 30 yard recovering run and catches up to Sun and like topples him and bowls him over like it's like there was he like is raising his hand for offsides or for or a foul or something. I think it was like in the seventy seventy second minute, and within like three steps he covers twenty yards <laughs> and closes Saw down in the box. Yeah, I mean he's he's a, he's an incredible physical prospect. That you know he he was going up against uh, Kyle Walker Peters in in that game, which was his first game back for an Spurs for a while, and he was just running past him like he wasn't even there. And mm-hmm. you know it's you, you kind of wonder, and this is a you know very kind of early days, but if that's that seems to be he's perfectly made for the for what that modern fullback looks like at that position. But you wonder if, you know, he's not going to be playing that position for Canada. So, yeah, that's what I was thinking. And we've talked about it in previous episodes, how the wing back now is such a marquee position that it behooves teams to put 
very athletic and forward-thinking players there, even if defensively they might not be as sound as your traditional fullback or defensive player. So that seems to be the case. Uh, you mentioned Kyle Walker-Peters. Sessegnon got a rare start. He hasn't played that much. How did he look? Uh, and a goal. Took it, yeah. took it pretty well. Yeah, he took it pretty well. I think you could probably look at this, you know, a couple of ways if you're, if you're Jose Mourinho. One, there were a lot of kind of show-me-what-you-got starts in there. I mean, Sessegnon, Kyle Walker-Peters, Juan Foyth was starting as a center back. Uh, LaCelso started in midfield. Um, I saw a stat that LaCelso was dribbled past seven times, which was the most of any player in the game or some, something to that effect. And, and yeah, very few of them, if any, would have kind of met whatever threshold Mourinho was setting out for them. I think there was also probably an element to considering the stakes were so negligible that Mourinho is probably thinking, given what happened last time, I'm going to spare some of my senior players the indignity of possibly being humiliated again. Um, but it was, it, was a, it was an uninspired kind of lineup and an uninspired performance. I mean, I think Bayern Munich had... Almost as many had 196 passes in the attacking third. Tottenham had 210 total. Um, it was uh, there were moments there where you thought that Thiago and Coutinho could have just you know played the game out just to two, just between themselves. Yeah, I mean Spurs came into the game obviously already locked into second place. They didn't need a result, and the lineup they played and probably how they played showed that. Okay, so in Group C, City, the aforementioned Atlanta advance. Juve and Atletico from Group D. Uh, Mike, anything to say about the Juve Bayer Leverkusen match? Um, did Ronaldo score? Yes, it was Ronaldo one no, did right? score. Uh, like right there towards the end, and you know, just like again, very just can't ban the snowman type moment. You know, <laughs> it's just like he always pops up with the. You know, eventually towards the end because he was wobbling there for a second. Um, there's always. I saw, like a I saw that Rabio played. Yeah, he did. He, he did. exists. Yeah, he exists. Man Bun Rabio. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not used to seeing his name in the starting eleven. So I mean, I don't know. I don't watch Juve very frequently, but uh, I guess it was a pleasant surprise to see him. Yeah. But I mean, like, uh, more so, moreover, like I, we were talking about the Cessignon goal earlier, and just there's just. Kids from 2000, kids born after 2002 just showing out this week. There's Ryan, like there's Ryan Sessegnon, Zhao Felix, Rodrigo scoring. Christian um, Ansu Fati. Fatu. Ansu Fati, yeah. Oh, is it Fati? Did I say Fatu? Yeah. Fati. Fati. But that's that's his first, uh, first. you know, he hasn't been in that squad for a little while too. One one thing on the, on the Juventus game, and it was very kind of classic Juventus, one nothing. you know, Ronaldo grabs the late goal, but... There's a moment where a fan in a Juventus shirt came onto the field and kind of went over to him. And it was so, it, it's, it, you realize kind of how different <laughs> it is in European sports than it would be in the in American sports. Because if that happened, the place would just like, you know, it would be just such a huge thing. And Ronaldo's like so used to it. It's probably happened to him a dozen times in his career. He just kind of went over, he shook the guy's hand, kind of pointed to the stewards. They came out, the guy walked off. It was, it was very, there's something very kind of orderly and polite about it. It was, it was very that, orderly and polite <laughs> until like the guy was fully off the and field. Then, and, and then, then yeah. Ronaldo like <laughs> and looked out of at sight. The, like he was fully off the field and out of sight. Then Ronaldo looks at like the pitch steward and he's just kind of like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Like do your job. <laughs> But to your point, Connor, I'm just trying to imagine that happening, like in an NBA game, somebody sidling up to Russell Westbrook. Can you, can you imagine Stephen floor. A. Smith after that? It would just, you know, we would we would melt oh, the internet. Wow. So, uh, good on good on Ronaldo for at least having the the patience and the practice to deal with those situations. That happens to Neymar a lot too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and Messi for that matter. Okay, moving on. Group E: Liverpool and Napoli. Uh, Napoli yesterday actually after a four nil win to secure qualification into the knockout round, they. Summarily sacked their manager, Carlo Ancelotti, who instantly became 
kind of the hottest available <laughs> manager well, how would on the you free agent f- market. How would the two of you feel about him at Arsenal? Just yeah, we're going to get into seconds and and managerial movement a little bit later in the show. But I mean, were you guys surprised to see? I know Napoli is struggling a little bit in the league, but it's kind of unusual to fire a manager after a 4-0 win that secures your placement in the, in the next round of the Champions League? I think that I, I won't claim to be an expert on all of the troubles that are plaguing Napoli at the moment, but they seem to be many and, and quite severe. Uh, it did sound like that there was a something had to happen and Ancelotti almost kind of positioned himself as the as the fall guy. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's almost as though he was kind of thinking like, you know what? The, the getting's going to be pretty good wherever yeah. I go after this. I, I I'm, think I'm it's, out. it was like a, a like I've I am also like going off of you know Andy Brassel articles from the Guardian. I haven't really been like following the thing closely or whatever, but it seems very much like the four zero win to secure the Champions League place was a lot like coasting into the gas station mm-hmm. like on E. <laughs> So yeah, they like it, it's just kind of a weird situation where they needed a shakeup of some kind, and it was best for everyone. Although it was again, it is a weird thing to sack your manager after a pivotal four zero win in the Champions League. Yeah, speaking of teenagers, I believe Napoli their victory was over Genk, and Genk had started a teenage keeper, and like the, the keeper's first play of the game essentially was. A fumbled back pass that immediately rough, resulted rough into look. a goal. Yeah, rough look for my yeah. guy. <laughs> uh, Gattuso, our favorite, is 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 coming to replace Ancelotti. Sometime maybe be good, sometime maybe shit. Sometime maybe good, sometime <laughs> maybe shit. Kind of, you got to do it. That was pretty good, Micah. Uh, fuck. I do appreciate. It. I feel like we we've got between kind of the golden generation of England with Lampard, Gerrard. I mean, you know, you got Wayne Rooney coaching back in the game now, and between like the some of those old AC Milan players. I mean, you've got. You've got to like my generation of of guys that I grew up watching are all kind of now very at various clubs across Europe, and I'm I'm kind of enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Group F, Barcelona, Dortmund, nothing to see here. Group G, RB Leipzig, and Lyon. Lyon got in kind of skin of their teeth, right? I, I, I seem to remember seeing or reading something about that. Uh, they left it late. Uh, I think. It- was it Benfica or, or anyway? I'm sorry, I don't remember. But Lyon got in uh, in the second place, and then finally Group H, Valencia and Chelsea. What do you guys make of the Champions League group stage overall? We, Connor and I, were talking about it off air, but it was a little underwhelming. I mean, there were a few memorable matches. I'm thinking of the Liverpool Salzburg. Both of the matches were pretty good. PSG and Madrid had a couple of good matches. This Atlanta comeback today, or not comeback, but Atlanta making it today was kind of cool and surprising but otherwise very ho-hum yeah i don't uh, yeah there weren't any there weren't really that many signature matches to seize on but then again were there that many last season i think yeah i think this is yeah it's been a trend really i mean look going in we were just talking about going into today's matches the last four none of them were of any consequence except atletico you know and leverkusen were fighting for a spot but that was you know not that dramatic. I, I don't have a creative solution for this because I think everyone, you, you, yeah, you could you could see it when the when the the pairings came out initially and the distance. There's just such a vast disparity between the top two in every group and the bottom two in pretty much each of these groups that, and the the trend and all of the kind of the uh, the impetus and the thinking behind this seems to be going towards becoming more exclusive rather than inclusive. So, I, I, I don't know how you kind of make these games given just how the calendar and how long they spread out and how assured it is that the top teams are going to make it it's it's just i don't i don't have a great answer for that 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that European Super League talk is about or trying to address. Uh, you know, it co- kind of comes up that kind of chatter every year. But I guess we'll see. Like I said, the round of 16 draw is on December 16th. And then the round of 16 takes place, begins in February. So that's when the matches get interesting. We mentioned City advancing earlier today. They won 4-1 over Dynamo Zagreb. Gabriel Jesus with a hat trick. That 4-1 victory comes after a 2-1 loss, loss. <laughs> in the Manchester Derby. And City has been slipping in the league, dropping points left and right. Of course, over the weekend was the big one with Manchester United at the Etihad. They lost 2-1, to one, leaving many people wondering after the match and subsequent days whether or not Guardiola's magic has run out. What say you, Connor? I think there's two ways that you have to kind of approach Pep at this point. I think one is through the lens of Pep and his career and his how he's kind of how he's handled his career and his choices. Uh, and the other is just through the squad itself. I think with Pep, this is his fourth season uh, at, at City and his contract takes him through the end of next season, which would be five years. And that would be the longest stop that he's had as a coach. I mean, he spent four years at Barca. He spent three years at Bayern Munich. I think he's been very clear at the end of each of those 10 years that, you know, he he needed to take some time off because there, there was a burnout that had set in both amongst with himself and amongst the players. Um, he needs that time to replenish just physically, but also just kind of his ideas. Uh, I don't know if he's quite reaching that point in his run at City. Um, I'd be kind of curious. It, some of that plays into, I think, there's a strange dynamic because you, you think back to Madrid, uh, his time in, in La Liga with Barca, and he had kind of the obvious foil with Madrid. And I think that that sustained that team and probably sustained him, even though you know he had Mourinho as kind of this, this antagonist. He didn't have that at Bayern Munich, you know, it was kind of Bayern and then everyone else domestically. And then, you know, he did, they did what they did in the Champions League. I wonder, it's just such a, when they're chasing, the way that they're chasing Liverpool right now, if somehow the message, you know, the, his tactics, his energy, his, the way he goes about his business kind of becomes slightly inverted and the message gets a little lost because he's such a, you know, so maniacally intense and so obsessed with tactics and so obsessed with this maintaining a certain intensity level that, you know, after a few years and the t- the squads kind of remained pretty similar throughout has that message just kind of worn thin a little bit and if they and if you're on a team like that where you know it's kind of win the title or bust does the mess you know do you look at the table and just think you know we're just we just don't have it you know it's just not in us so then what are you actually what's motivating you each and every day yeah, um, yeah a lot of people pointed out in his post-match interview how defeated he sounded and and he did say something to the effect of you know, City can, we can't compete with the Bayerns, the Barcelonas, I think. And he also mentioned Manchester United, which some people found Well, and funny. you wonder too if there's, and I, I'm kind of curious what you think, Michael, where it's, if that's kind of the veiled shot at maybe he hasn't been allowed to, you know, maybe they haven't kind of done the kind of business. Because you look at the squad and... Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily... I, they undoubtedly should have brought another center back this summer. I think that that's very evident every time that you see Fernandinho playing in that position or John Stone's living off an injury. But, I mean, then again, they've had they've played four different people at left back. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a weird sort of thing going on with Gabriel Jesus where he's just kind of plateaued, like, in terms mm-hmm. of, like, development or whatever. Weird things are going on all over the squad. But, again, like, this is a team that's won five trophies in the last yeah. however long. I mean, like, it, it's, it could be as simple as they buy somebody in January and they're right back where they, they, where they were before, you know? It, it does like feel so conspicuous, though, that, that Pep got there in 2016 and, like, 
when he arrived there, you know, and, and his so that first transfer window, he brought in John Stones, Leroy Sané, Gabriel Jesus, Ilkay Gundogan. Um, the final year, the next was was Laporte and Mendy and and Kyle Walker. But by the time he got there, Sterling, uh, you know, David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, Fernandinho, Sergio Aguero were all in place, and it's just it does seem kind of they are still so reliant on that spine. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, like I I do hear what you're saying, but I mean, like again, like it they are it doesn't feel like they're that far away hmm. somehow it's just like the but the feeling is absolutely different i will i will give you that i mean like again with like how defeated pep sounds like in most post matches now like ilke gundwan talking about like the title race is over for us it's november like it's november yeah. like it's just you know yeah they're they're too savvy and too experienced for that so you kind of wonder yeah just under half of the season has been played and and City are in third, 14 points behind Liverpool. Let's talk about United though, uh, Micah, because after a lot of stumbles in, in the last few weeks, or I guess I should say a couple months ago, uh, they've kind of turned their season around, unbeaten in five in the league, back-to-back wins. Yeah, you know. This is probably the biggest win for Ole uh, outside of Champions League last year. What do you make of your team right now? Well, you know, like... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is so much like a high school football coach in that, like, the rivalry games, like, he's, like, tw- 20 to 30% better at his job, like, <laughs> whenever these things happen. Like, it's just, like, when they're, I mean, like, take, for instance, before the Liverpool game, he's just kind of like, well, yeah, they're doing well in the league, but, you know, like, I'm inside of your mind because like we're <laughs> because we're united. And like he says the same shit before like the city game. And I mean like the way that he talks about the team is like he's still it like I mean like he stepped off of the field yesterday, you know what I'm saying? Like and it's like he's such a what I mean is that he's a very good nostalgia merchant and it's beginning to feel Exactly like December of last year. <laughs> you know, you do, like you do run, think the that, run of results that save his job. Yeah, exactly. I, but I also I do wonder though if because so much of it is like he's he's trying to kind of generate a sense of enthusiasm and, and confidence through that nostalgia. And if they do hit a good run of form, he seems like a really good guy to maintain that and sustain oh, yeah, that. Absolutely. Like when I mean, things like, are good, things are fucking great. I mean. F- <laughs> <laughs> the best the best tweet I saw uh, during during the United Tottenham game was just kind of like Rashford really hates Jose. You can see it in his shot power. But it's just like all of those players were playing so well, like in terms of I mean like Fred having the best game he had ever had in a United shirt. Jesse Lingard looks like uh December 2017 where he had four goals and four or two two goals and four assists or whatever like McTominay McTominay was looking like he could run long distances without falling down um, and thought, then Marcus Rashford was just drilling shots from everywhere. Like I thought, thought Wan Bissaka. Yeah, I thought that was the best game I've seen Wan Bissaka play. I exactly. Think he, I think he played Sterling as well as I've seen someone play Sterling and probably this season. It is just kind of like he feeds into like that fuck these guys energy like the, and it's and it just works so well i think the biggest thing and this goes back to donnie's a point that i think Don, we were all talking about and i i pose this question to you micah is that it that team will kind of go as far as rashford like if is rashford has she made the leap well okay so 
17 of his 36 Premier League goals have come against top four, top six competition, I think. Some, somewhere somewhere around there. And The, like the opposite of a flat track bully? Exactly. What's the, exactly. What, what's the opposite of a flat track bully? It's like a hilly track bully? Um, Probably not. No, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> I think we're gonna Pro- workshop that. Probably one. not. We're gonna we're gonna come back to that. But all right, carry on. What I mean is that like it's it's big game Rashford now, you know. And I, like before the season started, we were talking about like with Lukaku leaving. It's just kind of like your attack is entirely relying on Anthony Martial, Marcus Rashford, and Mason Greenwood, who was playing academy football like yesterday. And it was just kind of like ah, I don't know where the goals are gonna come from. And Rashford's been stepping up. So, yeah, he has 10 goals on the season. He started every match in the league, played basically every possible minute uh, of football for the club this year. So I think it's also the kind of goals, too. I mean, he, you know, he's, he's, I think he likes kind of coming in from the left side and cutting in on his right foot, obviously. And there yeah. are a few, you know, where he, he, he made contact, and there are a few that he kind of, you know, put wide where he took a one touch across his body on a counterattack in the city game. And, but, but it was that kind of body shape and that kind of technique that he was going for that, that, you know, once he kind of figures that out and puts his that technique is so good. Yeah. It is so good. Like I cannot was, stress enough how good his technique is. And, but anyway, like, it's just kind of you, like watching him this season, you get the sense of somebody who is like finally figuring it out. Like it's just kind of the the parts of his game are clicking into place, and it was all there before. It was almost like he needed to convince himself that he was good. Yeah, and some of that, you know, not to bring everything back to to Mourinho, but as much as Mourinho will kind of get the best out of guys in the spot, there are, there are players that certainly kind of benefit from the post Mourinho malaise being yeah. lifted. Yeah, and he's he's one of those dudes. Definitely. Also, he's missed two penalties, so. If he had scored those two penalties, he would be in second place in the Golden Boot race. Well, he's not fighting. He's not fighting Pog before them anymore. So, <laughs> so at least. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's quickly uh, news that broke since the last episode is that Chelsea's transfer ban has been lifted, and they are able to buy players this January. Immediately, speculation began as to who they might be looking for. Wow, they beat the case. <laughs> they beat the case. They're currently in fourth place. On 29 points, uh, stumbling as a little bit as of late, lost three of their last four league matches. Uh, Connor, who are you seeing as possibly Chelsea looking for in January, if anyone? Well, it's always nice to have Chelsea back in the transfer rumor genre because they're the team. Is it? That, yeah, because they're the team that's kind of the most, you know, you can just throw anything against the wall and it would seem to stick. Um but I, I, you know, a report that I saw today on the on the Guardian uh, mentioned uh, Wilfried Zaha and Nathan Ake, which I, I think Zaha is probably going to, you know, I, I think his time has run out at Crystal Palace as as well as they've been playing, and I think he's going to be kind of angling for for some kind of a move. I mean, as much as that's probably not what they need, I think he's still a guy where I I, I'm, I rate him high enough where if you you know you can get him, you go make it happen. I think Nathan Ake would be like a very deliciously on brand for Chelsea because as much as they've embraced this new youth movement, using their first order of the transfer business to go up to a player that was like previously on their books and kind of paying over, <laughs> paying more than what yeah. they would have let him go for, would it be just kind that, of a great way a to pog, start? pulling a Pogba. Yeah, yeah. So that that would be great. But I, I you know, I, I think clearly the defense is is where they need the most reinforcements. Um, but but I don't, I don't really kind of, you know, obviously it's nice to be able to kind of get it back into the transfer market, but I... I don't see that there's an incredible sense of urgency in the way that I've kind of seen that news presented because, you know, they're, they're positioned pretty well. They're playing pretty well. And at some point, you kind of still need to see what you're going to – you need a full season to see what you're going to get from some of these guys. So um, 
you, you expect them to make some kind of business, but I wouldn't, I don't know if it'd be anything too drastic. Yeah. All right. Well, wrapping up the Premier League from the weekend, I guess we should talk about Sonaldo's goal, Micah, that had Jose Mourinho talking about memories of Ronaldo Nazario. 90-yard dash. I mean, is the Sonaldo thing going to stick? That was the first I heard it. I was impressed. It's interesting because that's actually been a fans of Sonaldo. Of course, we're talking about the Tottenham Fort have used Sonaldo for years I've, now. I've, I've, where have I been? I've really never, like, this is, the, this is the first I've been hearing of it. Probably not on, like, Korean soccer fan message boards. We there's there's some there's some standing for Sun in our soccer slack that I, I this was never been brought to my attention. <laughs> I take it from you guys' reaction that you don't really like the name or think it's a little. No, I, I just I, I I'm, I'm here for it. I, I, anytime we can reference the original Ronaldo, I think I don't think the original Ronaldo gets his proper due enough. So, well, it's the thing. I think the original Sonaldo name was based on CR7 Cristiano Ronaldo, mm. uh, but. Now, I'm, I guess I'm out with then. this goal, <laughs> yeah, and Jose bringing up uh, Ronaldo Nazario, and now they're connecting it to OG uh, Brazilian Ronaldo. Yeah, it was it was one of those goals that, I mean, I, I think we all can see that his acceleration and his top end speed is as probably as fast as anyone you've seen in the Premier League or, or anywhere. But like once you build up that head of speed and the ball's just kind of he had that perfect it was that perfect balance between he seemed slightly out of control and that the ball was going to get away from him, but everyone was a little too on the back foot or too a little too kind of cautious to make to put in a tackle yeah. because he was going so fast and seemed so slightly kind yeah. of out of control that every touch just kind of t- was timed perfectly. And I think once he once he cleared half field, you kind of knew where it was going. I found it kind of funny that listening to kind of some of these ex player grizzled pundit saying that he should have been fouled uh you know it's just funny to hear calls for players to kind of disrupt that kind of artistry you know just with kind of a cynical chop down Mm. just so that you know a player of his talent can't do that to you yeah yeah i mean but that's just i mean you know the 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 whole English punditry about every center back should be Terry Butcher with a bandage wrapped around their head. Before we move on, let's take a quick break. Ringer FC is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. You've probably heard me talk about FanDuel Sportsbook for the past few weeks, so by now you know about their simple, intuitive app that makes placing your bets easy. But this week, I want to tell you about another feature that I think really sets FanDuel apart from other sports betting sites: same game parlays. A same-game parlay is a parlay combining multiple bets from one single game. For example, you could parlay the over, the spread, and a player prop, or even three player props. Same-game parlays are a great option if you think you have a great read on how a single game is going to play out. For example, this weekend, Arsenal is hosting Manchester City. For a same-game parlay, Arsenal to win, Aubameyang to score, and Granit Xhaka to get a yellow card. Same-game parlays are now available everywhere FanDuel Sportsbook is, so you can start building them today in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, and West Virginia. And if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, you can place your first same-game parlay 100% risk-free. That's right, you can place any bet and get up to $500 back in site credit if you don't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app on iOS or visit fanduel.com slash Android. And be sure to use promo code RINGERFC to place your first bet risk-free. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code RINGERFC. And now here's the legal stuff. Must be 21 plus and physically present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, or West Virginia. 
applies to first wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires 14 days after receipt. Terms and restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Connor, did we miss your trivia question? Did you have one? Oh, I do have a trivia question. So this is, uh, there have been nine hat tricks in the Champions League in the group stages. And I wanted to see if I give you guys about 30 seconds or so, or maybe a minute to see how many you can name. Jesus today. Jesus today. That's one. Nabry. Nabry, yes. Yeah, I think he had four in that game, so. Did Haaland have one? He did. He did. That was the their opener against Genk. So that's three. I'll give you a hint. One is one is did one Di of Maria our. Did Di Maria have one? Di Maria did not. One was a. Uh, did Raheem Sterling? Ha- so Raheem Sterling. Raheem Sterling had one. That's another one. Ooh, Rodrigo. Rodrigo. So you got uh, four left. Two you probably should get. Uh, oh right, 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 right. Erling Brown Ho- Ho- Hoyland. He got one. Yep. We already said that. Donnie, Donnie mentioned him. Okay. One was uh, there. There is a, another teammate from the same team on here that you're missing. Huang Yitan, or was it Minamino? Nope. We have what so far? We got we had Nabri. You got Sterling. You got Gabriel Jesus. Oh, Lewandowski. Lewandowski. Definitely Lewandowski. I mean, even if you know, even if he had no idea, you would just did. Dries Merton have something? No, he did not. Another Napoli player had one though. Oh, Milik. Milik. Milik had Milik one. Had one. So you got two left. One's obvious. One you will never get. So, uh, uh, Messi. No, no Messi actually. Royce. Uh, nope, nope. He's part of he's part of the uh, very fashionable Parisian front pairing. Oh, Mbappe. Mbappe got one, and then the last one would be Mislav Orsic from Dina, Dinamo Zagreb. Oh yeah, I never would have so, got that. <laughs> congratulations to all all involved. Good trivia. I like it. Going back to the Premier League, we should talk about the managerial merry-go-round since we last recorded. Three managers have been sacked in reverse chronicle chronological order. I'll go over them: Watford. Kiki Sanchez-Flores out, Nigel Pearson in, Everton, Marco Silva out, finally, Duncan Ferguson in, and at the Arsenal, Unai Emery finally out, Freddie Lundberg in. So three interim managers now running teams in the Premier League. Of the three, you know, do you think any of them will outlast the interim tech? Manchester United actually have Everton on the weekend. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, Connor, maybe I'll start with you. What what have you made of Freddie's first what three games now in charge? Two games. I mean, I think they're a mess. Um, uh, it was three games, right? Because they yeah. they lost to Norwich. They drew with. Uh, they just beat West Ham. They they lost to Norwich, and I think his first match was a draw with against. Brighton. Was it Southampton? That was was it Brighton Hove Happy Brighton. It was Brighton. Correct. Yeah, I mean, and, and they had to come back in the in the West Ham, and I think the positive thing that you take from the West Ham game is that Nicholas Pepe uh, put in, you know, scored a goal, scored a great goal, um, had an assist. Um, you know, I, I I don't know what the idea is, I don't know what the plan is. Um, I, I think what, the way the way I look at it is is you know someone like Ancelotti is is not really Ancelotti is kind of a vibes coach. You know, he's a guy that you kind of bring in when you've got a button. Like, Either you need to kind of calm the ship or raise the level slightly and you have a superstar team. Like, he's a guy that just... I don't think he's kind of what you need because I think what they need is someone with an actual idea and an actual point of view. Uh, I, I have no inside information, obviously. I, 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 You look at... Basically, what you try to do is you look at the most exciting 
middle tier ish teams and who has young coaches that are kind of have made the biggest transition year to year. And you look at RB Leipzig with Julian Nagelsmann, who's 32 years old and Leipzig is, you know, competing for the, for the Bundesliga and one of the most exciting kind of interesting teams in Europe. Um, Eric Ten Hag of Ajax, you know, who just got out of the Champions League. I think he's been named, he's been, he's been bandied about for way more, um, some more prestigious names, uh, jobs like the Bayern Munich job. Uh, you know, Borussia Mönchengladbach is 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 leading the the Bundesliga, and their their first year coach Marco Reus came from RB Salzburg, which is another kind of you know similar young exciting Jesse March. team. Uh, yeah, Jesse March. So it's you know I, I think the question is less who Arsenal wants and what their idea of what their manager is, and who wants Arsenal. If that makes sense, you know, because I think. Yeah. You know, you got to go and you got to make a run at whoever the most exciting young coach is. The question is, if you are a young, exciting coach, is Arsenal, you know, you're picking up the phone. Yeah, I mean, the name that still is in the background at all times with Arsenal now is Arteta, who interestingly also obviously has deeper roots with Everton. So his name has been mentioned there. Uh, Micah, you were talking about Ole and how he's like a, you know... uh, how he can pep talk United. You saw that with <laughs> over the weekend with Duncan Ferguson and Everton. Uh, they won 3-1, getting that immediate new manager bounce against Chelsea. And Duncan Ferguson was like literally in tears after and uh, very uh, passionately involved in every aspect of the game from the touchline. Well, yeah. I mean, like, literally, <laughs> there are... Duncan Ferguson is, I mean... Exactly the kind of blood and thunder coach that would have that kind of like extremely extreme emotional response after like after a game like that. I mean, that's the same person that who was it? It was uh, was he when he was playing for Rangers? He headbutted the guy. Um, it's it's like an infamous clip. Like just search Duncan Ferguson headbutt. It's 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 a very fun YouTube hole to fall down. Duncan Ferguson is there to do a very specific job, and he has <laughs> a pretty very much achieved. He pretty job. much has achieved it to run up and down the touchline and to make the fans feel good for a while. Which is again, you know, that's not he even. Can do that. It's yeah. absolutely. Fun. I mean, like after like they've 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 done the you know pseudo Bond villain thing with Marco Silva. Now they are back to a basically souped up version of Sam Allardyce, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think they're they're in that position too, where you almost have to be slightly concerned. You you can't let the wheels come off that so completely that you get stuck in the relegation battle. So I think that that's the stakes are a little like that. That's that is informing probably some of the decisions there until they figure out what they want to do long term, um, because that team, you know, is too talented and there's been too much money invested in that for that team to be to be positioned where it is. I, I think to go back to Arteta, I mean, you said mentioned Zani that they had deep roots at Everton. I mean, look at the roots where he's at right now. I mean, I, 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 who knows? I mean, is he kind of, is there like a cogent waiting thing going on at City where Pep- I mean, that's the thing. Arteta's could be the manager of Arsenal, could be the manager of Everton, could be the manager at City. And uh, I think that like goes fr- back to the original point with Arsenal where it's like, you know, the most obvious sentimental but also kind of practical choice would be to go to Arteta. But does he want that job? I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. It's bleak, Donnie. Um, it's bleak. It's bleak. I don't think it's bleak at all, actually. After watching uh, the stirring comeback against West Ham, I are you are like, you in on Nicolas Pepe? Are you, are you? I'm in. All right, I'm super in on Nicolas Pepe's little Mares impression going to the left foot. It was amazing. I mean, it was like a unadulterated joy actually getting three points. And I'm interested to see, you know, Arsenal's next match is against City, uh, so that will obviously be a huge test. And all of this 
all of these good feelings can dissipate quickly. But uh, Everton have Manchester United, as I mentioned. Um, anything else, guys? We had. Uh, did you guys happen to see the NCAA women's soccer final? That was great. Or no, highlights I from actually it? Didn't see it. It was Stanford and UNC, and it went to penalties, a shootout. Oh, the and trash talking goalkeeper! I mean, just exquisite. Oh, yo, she, the Stanford. Like, <laughs> we should say her name. The Stanford keeper's name is Katie Meyer. Staring straight into my soul, Katie. After making some stops in the penalty shootout, she had some straight-to-camera reaction shots that were immediately gift and now will live forever in posterity because it was some of the best post-penalty save keeper gesticulations or reactions I've ever seen. I mean, listen, anybody that follows me on Twitter is aware of this. I love the negativity. I love it. I can't I mean, get enough. Why is it even negativity? It's like positivity. It's being positive about her ability. Well, yeah, I know. But like, I mean, it's being positive, but in a negative way. That, that clip brought me great joy. Yeah. So thanks to Katie. Congratulations to, to Stanford. Yeah, the one clip that's really going around is her uh, after, immediately after a say, finding the camera, looking straight into it, pointing at her chest where it said Stanford, saying Stanford, maybe some expletives. And then... Uh, motioning with her mouth, like to zip her her mouth and throwing away the key Look, or know, whatever. Know where the camera is. Find find yeah. the, find the angles. Get there. Get your yeah. I mean, it was great. Actually, I'm, you know what? You know what? I also found interesting about that clip is that she had black gloves on, which I don't normally see for keepers. Is that kind of unusual? It looked like garbage man gloves. Um, I thought it was swaggy. So. <laughs> <laughs> Before we close. We should check in on the Prem points pool, uh, of course, before the season. Connor, Micah, Miles, Shocker, and I drafted uh, Premier League teams for each uh, with the idea that whoever had the most cumulative points amongst his teams would win. We are here in week or match day 17 this weekend. And Shocker's at the top of the table. I think he's like got a Liverpool-like lead over everybody, and he's going to win. He's going to coast. He has City, Leicester, Crystal Palace, and Brighton. He's on 111 points. Second place is Connor with Liverpool, Watford, West Ham, and Sheffield. Sheffield United on 94. Uh, Micah, who was in the cellar for, I think, like the first five or six weeks, is rocketed up to third place, 84 points with Spurs, Wolves, Aston Villa, Newcastle. I guess Newcastle and Wolves have kind of turned their season around. Yeah. Uh, Fourth place is Miles on 80 points. He has Chelsea, United, Bournemouth, and Norwich. And in the rear, at the bottom, relegation zone, 72 points. It's me with Arsenal, Everton, (laughs) Southampton, and Burnley. I realized that I have, of my four teams, two of them have replaced their managers before December which probably doesn't bode well. Well, listen, I you make choices in life, Donnie, as you, as you know. And I made a choice to select Watford over Leicester City. And if, if I had kind of actually done that correctly, between Liverpool and Leicester, this just would have been over by now. Watford's replaced yeah. their manager twice since. I mean, it's just... Oh, yeah, that's true. And probably yeah, will do so twice more before the end of the season at this rate, so... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I chose Everton over Leicester, so... All right. So, in closing, guys, sad day. It's my last episode of Ringer FC. It's very emotional. It's been quite a ride. Sorry, actually, I've been a little bit 
off the pace today. I'm a little bit under the weather, but uh, I tried to deliver as always. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I really can't believe you just tried to sneak this in here at the end. We weren't making jokes about how you still haven't eaten the cleat this entire time. So I wasn't I wasn't uh, with the ringer when the eat the cleat uh, took over. So I, I I think Micah can kind of take that one home for us before Donnie signs off for the last time. What the the context of it? Yeah. Well, no, we already know the context of it. Is he said that he said he said on video that if. Germany did not make it out of the group stages of the World Cup. He would eat the cleat that is right here on the table. It was Ryan O'Hanlon's Nike TMO. It was black and neon green. <laughs> he actually kind of needed it because he plays in those when we play together sometimes. But then, several months later, Ryan O'Hanlon publicly called him history's greatest coward. And still, Donnie did not eat the cleat. See, I feel like the bet was kind of nullified once Ryan left the ringer. Think about the kind of power that you could assume by by eating just a cleat that's been worn by Ryan O'Hanlon. Yeah. I know. The possibilities. I know. I know. I You know, I promise you guys, uh, whether you see it or not, I'll hold up my end of the bet before my last day. <laughs> Somehow, someway, you'll see it on social media or something. Because I'm not a liar, nor am I a coward, and I will carry through. You're one of the good. You're one of the best. You're one of the best that's ever done it, Donnie. We'll miss you terribly. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, and Micah, it's been a pleasure with you through this, all of these years, World Cups, two World Cups. Two World Cups. Damn. Crazy. Yeah. So, thank you, guys. Thanks, thank Donnie. Thank you, man. And to all the listeners, peace. Peace.